Welcome to the Kenmore Church Podcast. We are all about filling hearts and fueling mission. We hope this content builds your heart and mind and equips you to reveal Jesus in this season of your life. Welcome to Church Online this week. Great to have you again. And we're continuing what is essentially a second part of what we began a week or so ago, uh, talking from Ephesians chapter 1 and Paul's view of the gospel lens and this incredible prayer that he prays for us, the saints, based on the inheritance that we have, based on the fact that we are redeemed, that we have every spiritual blessing, and that the deposit of the Holy Spirit is in our life. And knowing that, it activates Paul to pray because he's a man of words and works, and he's just concerned um, that the, the Ephesian church, would that would be the story of their life without having the power of the wonder of God in our lives. And we saw last week particularly that even Jesus, a generation on, uh, addresses this same church because it looks like they didn't quite learn the lesson or if they did, it faded away over time. And he said, look, I love the way you persevere. You're faithful and you're strong and you know error from truth and you, you discard error. But this one thing I have against you, that you this love that you had before, this wonder of me, this intimate connection seems to have gone. And so we want to carry on now with the second part of that and have a look at what Paul was saying in the rest of this scripture as he tries to get them beyond words and works and encompassing that with a sense of wonder as well. Not discarding the other two, but keeping that which is important and adding a third element which is important as well. So Ephesians 1.17, he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. The end goal of this prayer is that these people would know Jesus even better, not just about him, not just working for him, but be engaged to live life through him. And so Paul, this man who was himself a man of words and works, prays earnestly for this sense of wonder. But now, as we go on in this passage, we can see that this man of works prays that these guys would get a sense of the gospel vision, that it wouldn't just be working for God, that there'd be just a, a real power about what they're doing and an earnestness about what they're living for and why. So let's pick it up in verse 18 of Ephesians chapter 1. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That's that revelation we talked about last time. In order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and the incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength. And he goes on there to describe that this mighty strength is the same that raised Jesus from the dead. So he's saying that I pray that you would see your life through this lens of the gospel, to see what human eyes can't see. And you remember from last time, there's the background of Paul. He was saying, I spent my whole life living from my own strength. I was doing what I thought was God's work and I was doing it for him. But look at where it left me. All it brought me was religious pride. All I felt in my heart was anger at people who sort of wanted to get what I thought was true off track. All I pursued was destruction for the very cause that I thought I was defending. He said, if you don't have this intimacy with God, this is where it can end up. And so Jesus' rebuke still echoes to the church of Ephesus and potentially with us as well. Jesus says, yet I hold this against you. You've forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Jesus is saying without this intimacy, without this love that we have for him, if we're just doing uh, works for him, if we're just understanding more and more information, he says the gap between where you could be and where you are, the gap, consider how far you have fallen. 
So with that in mind, Paul prays for three particular things in a consecutive and sequential order that I want to pick up on today. He, uh, and, and you note that what he's praying, again, is based on what he's mentioned just a few verses before. It's all the same sentence and breath to him. He's saying, based on the fact that you're redeemed and based on particularly the fact that the deposit of the Spirit is in your life. God, the same God who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. Therefore, let this affect your life. And it's only because of the Spirit within you that any of this is possible. And so he wants that to make a real difference in our life. And what he's saying is, it's not just one day. It's not just the fact that this deposit of the Spirit in your life means, oh, this is a guarantee that one day you're going to get to heaven. It's way, way more comprehensive and deep. He's saying that Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, He's in you now. He wants to work in you now. There's things for you to do now. And the, and the fact that the Spirit is there should be making a difference now to the world. It's not just all one day. It's very much now as well. That the real touch of heaven that's living within us can touch the earth that we're living in. So let's break it down just a bit. Ephesians 1.18, he talks about this hope to which we are called. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Great word there, called. To be called is so much different from being driven. And Paul was a driven guy previously. Now he's saying we're called. To be driven is, is a self-fueled, self-motivated, almost ambitious drive that comes from within us, as opposed to a calling which draws us on. It's an invitation, and the invitation comes with permission. And so this calling that God has upon our life is the opposite of being driven. It's saying, I'm inviting you, and I'm going to authorize and empower you to, to make a difference in this world. But it's a calling. And as Jesus said, many are called, few are chosen. Perhaps the Greek would better be described as many are called, but few allow themselves to be chosen. So we, we can make a choice to cooperate with this calling or to walk away. We can choose to live in the intimacy and power of the Holy Spirit, or we can choose to go back, as the Ephesians ultimately proved to do, to doing it again in our own strength and based on our own intellect. And so this calling is towards something. He's saying it's, it's a calling towards hope. And hope is an amazing thing. It's very different to faith. Faith is uh, something you can pretty much take to the bank because faith, when we have faith in something or someone, particularly in God, it's based on who he is. There's a foundation, there's a concreteness about that. Or it might be based in what he said. He said, I want this to happen. This person is to be healed or so on. And so we can have faith in that, which is very different to assumption. But faith is concrete. It's like he said it. He, uh, God is like that. We can take that to the bank. He's died for us. I rely on that fully. Hope is very different. Hope is this whole thing that's built on tension. Hope looks at what could be uh, through the lens of what already is and says the difference between here and there creates tension. There's a tension between what should be and what I'm seeing right now. And hope comes out of that space, that tension that's formed between the reality and what could be, and says, I want to bring hope for now to look more like what it could be then. And tension is just such a beautiful thing. We may perceive it as discomfort, but tension brings about movement. Where there's tension, one can come towards the other, depending on where the anchor truly is. And so we can form and live in this tension because where there's tension, if there's tension in, my, in my, the sinews of my arm, I can create movement. If there's no tension, there is no movement. In, a, in an archer's bow, if there's no tension in the string, you can't fling an arrow. If there's no tension in the guitar string, you can't play a note. Tension is required for all this sort of music and action 
to take place. And so hope is this beautiful concept that lives within tension. It looks at what can be compared to what is and says, we need to make a movement towards getting uh, our reality closer to heaven's reality. See, hopeless people don't move. Hopeless people just stay still. There's, there's no sense where we're going to get anywhere at all. And Christians can be hopeless. They can say, well, life's just going to be blown away one day anyway. Why would we put in any effort? Let's just move on, eat, drink, and be merry. That's completely a wrong view. And the gospel lens says, no, we have hope. There is, there is more that can be done. And because of the Spirit in our life, this is the point of what Paul's saying, because the Spirit is there, it makes that hope possible. You've now been given a hope that says we can take one reality closer to another reality, so to embrace that tension. And so hope is only justified because of the presence of the Spirit in our life. And so Paul is praying that we would see that, that we'd understand this calling, this invitation of hope in our life. He goes on. Let's have a look at the next verse in uh, verse 18, because it talks about hope that leads us uh, into this whole idea of authority. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. So it's a reminder here that inheritance is more than the way we would see inheritance. He's saying there's a glorious inheritance to us all. We see inheritance from the Western view, which is someone passes away and we cash in the bank account. Um, There's an asset transferal going on there. Very different in the time that Paul was saying it. Inheritance could become upon the sons, the co-heirs, when um, they come of age. And right throughout Romans and then Galatians, Paul says, we come of age when the Spirit is in our life. And this is a point of what Paul's saying. Again, because of this deposit of the Spirit, there's an inheritance available to us uh, among his, his holy people. And this holy people phrase is, is very key in there. Because what he's saying there is that We are his holy people now. Again, it's not one day, it's now. This inheritance is here in his holy people. That's us. So the hope which sees the tension can be materialized through his holy people because we are the inheritance, which means I build the family business now with the Father's presence with me. This is the New Testament view of inheritance. We get authorization, the Father's authorization, to look at the situation put hope in that situation and be authorized to go and do something about it. And the deposit of the Spirit proves that. We have this authority now. Okay, so he goes on. We have hope and we have an inheritance. Let's look at what he says in verse 18 and 19. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and the incomparably great power for us who believe. Can you see the cascading sequence here? There's hope that sees the the situation. There's authority in our inheritance, which says, I've actually got permission to go and do something about it. Now he says, you've got to understand, you don't just have authority, you have power. You have power in this spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. This deposit changes everything. And so you not only have the authority to do something, you have the ability to do something about it. We see the need. We recognize where the person to address it. And we work in God's power to do something about it. This is the gospel vision. Saying you're not just a people of words and works anymore. You're a people of wonder. And when we can embrace more and more of that wonder to know him better, this is what happens. We get a gospel vision of life. That we are empowered, we are authorized to go and do something about it. That heaven can come closer to earth. That earth can look more like heaven. 
and that your presence here with the people in your world, you're authorized and empowered to actually do something about it. I wonder if that's your prayer. I wonder if you pray, Lord, let me see this more and more. Open the eyes of my heart so that I can understand, I can land the truth of what I've always known and release it into my life because your spirit lives within me. Let's pray into that right now. Father, I just thank you that we are authorized to pray the prayers that are in Scripture. And so I pray this same prayer over each of us, that we would understand the, the incomparable greatness of this calling that's upon our life, the, the, the hope to which we are called, the authorization that we have as your sons and daughters, and the power that you give us through this Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead and lives powerfully within us. Father, let us not live a life that denies the power that we have within us. Let us learn how to grow and grow in how to live in accordance with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.